not the first time and it certainly won't be the last time that abortion is the lead conversation on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Tassi, and Laura Johnston. I'm Chris Quinn, and let's begin. Who are the two conservative leaders in Ohio who are teaming up on messaging about abortion, the abortion amendment on the November ballot being too radical for Ohio? And Lisa, I don't know if you saw the Plain Dealer today, but they had a great headline on this story. <laughs> they did. Um, yeah, it's actually Governor Mike DeWine and Cleveland Bishop Edward Molesic are headlining an event August 29th. It's a fundraiser for the anti-abortion advocates seeking to defeat the November constitutional amendment. So this event will be at the home of businessman and major GOP donor Umberto Fideli, who lives in Gates Mills. The proceeds will go to Protect Women Ohio, which is the main group that's that's campaigning against this amendment. The guest list includes a lot of the usual suspects, Lieutenant Governor John Husted, Attorney General Dave Yost, Auditor Keith Faber, Senate candidate Bernie Moreno, U.S. Representative Max Miller, and of course, Ohio Right to Life will be there and the Center for Christian Virtue. Now, and we've said this in the podcast just in the last week, DeWine has called the amendment too liberal for Ohio, and he plans to speak often against the amendment between now and November. And of course, he took flack for being being quiet about issue one, which is kind of like the dog whistle for this November uh, election. So the Ohio Catholic Conference is also on board. They say that it will oppose the measure. Uh, they gave $6 million to a failed, um, you know, uh, a failed amendment in Michigan at the, to say that the amendment passed. They didn't want it to pass, but they gave $6 million to defeat it, and that didn't work. Um, Protect Women Ohio's Amy Natochi says that they're thrilled to have the backing of the Catholic Church. Yeah, what a shock that the Catholic Church is going to be organized against abortion. We've said this before. We'll say it again. I don't see how any of these campaigns change a single mind. We have been debating this for a half century or more. People have their feelings about it and the polls show what it is and there is no playbook to combat it. They've tried in state after state to combat it, but the majority of the people want a Roe v. Wade's kind of standard. And you you can you can jump up and down and say this is too liberal for Ohio. They're calling it with you know they're using the protect term you talked about yesterday, Lisa. It hasn't worked anywhere else. It didn't work with issue one. I don't think it's going to matter at all that whatever the campaigns are on either side, but I guess they feel like they have to try. And this is a fundraiser in a private home. It's like $500 just to get in the door. And I think you can get donations up to $50,000, but they're facing some headwinds. Abortion rights groups have raised almost $10 million to date. They're planning to raise and spend up to $35 million between now and November. And the anti-group has only raised about $5.3 million so far. Yeah, they'll raise more. They'll spend lots of money. There'll be lots of ridiculous advertising. And then people will go to the polls and vote in November, exactly like we would if they were voting today. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Is this a scam? How is a natural gas company that many of us use trying to get credit for going green on the backs of the customers? And what do critics say about it, Laura? Well, it certainly feels like a scam. Dominion Energy wants to give customers the option to, quote, 
offset the carbon emitted by the gas they buy. So they serve 1.2 million customers throughout eastern and northeastern Ohio via East Ohio Gas Company. The idea is that it's going to make its gas suppliers plant trees or invest in renewable energy to balance out the carbon emission of gas used by customers. This is, of course, instead of actually reducing their carbon footprint. So They're not shifting to nuclear, wind, or solar energy generation, but it wants to get to net zero by compensating elsewhere. Plenty of experts say this is really just showmanship, that it doesn't do much. It's a scam. And right now, they're not charging customers anything if they choose this, but it does feel like a way that they could start bilking people for money. And other companies have done that in the past. This is a way of allowing the the fossil fuel utilities to pretend that they're doing something about green energy. Uh, I, and and it has been disproven everywhere. The credit idea it's it's bogus. Can can the customers do anything about it? I mean, this is not for real. This is not a move into green energy. I guess the customers could all shift away, but from Dominion, right? Exactly. I mean. Although I don't know how easy it is to find another gas supplier. This is not something like I'm going to shop at Target instead of Walmart. I mean, this is a lot of work. And we've talked about all, you know, all the different gas companies and and the issues. But I I do feel like we should, as consumers, voice our opinion, say this is not good enough. And of course, we live in a state where they've deemed natural gas a green energy. So it's kind of like tilting at windmills. Yeah, so why do they even need to do this if they're already green energy? (laughs) You're listening to Today in Ohio. We like to think that we in Ohio are largely immune from natural disasters. A feeling confirmed as we watch fires and droughts, tornadoes and hurricanes ravage other states. But when you look at where Ohio ranks among states impacted by natural disasters, you might be surprised, Layla. Yeah, we might. We are surprisingly in the middle of the pack. The, uh, the personal finance company Wallet Hub compiled a ranking of the areas of the country most likely to experience a natural disaster related to climate change, which includes drought, freezes, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, and wildfires, but not earthquakes because those aren't considered to be related to climate change, although I think that's debatable. But anyway, as you might expect, the top four states on the list are along the hurricane-prone Gulf Coast. So Mississippi is first, followed by Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. And then the next four are Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma, which are all in the tornado-prone region in the middle of the country. So the rankings are based on weighted averages across two data points. One is the number of climate disasters causing more than a billion dollars in damage from 1980 to 2023. And the other is the loss amount per capita from those disasters. And so if you, when you calculate based on those metrics, Ohio came in at 27 between New Jersey and Minnesota. Ohio had 90 natural disasters between 1980 and 2023, and those events totaled more than a billion dollars in damage for a combined loss of nearly $29.4 billion or $2,497 per capita. The least impacted state was has been Maine, which was followed by Alaska, New Hampshire, Utah, and Nevada. And the ranking, the actual ranking is based on the per capita number, not the total number, right? Yeah, that's what it seems, right? Yeah, I, I, I was surprised by this because I feel like we live in almost Shangri-La. We get heavy right. snowfalls and we get more and more, as we've reported, heavy, heavy downpours of rain. But we don't get the, the overwhelming destroy your house kind of thing. 
Well, I was really interested that earthquakes are not considered to be related to climate change because I was pretty sure that scientists have said that the rising sea levels are adding pressure to tectonic plates, which increases the likelihood of earthquakes and and tsunamis that they trigger. So if that's true, you could factor earthquakes into this list. And I think Ohio would rank far, far lower. Yeah, maybe they just don't want to inject that into the debate because there are so many climate change deniers. They don't want to give them more evidence to say that's ridiculous. You know, we we can't affect the tectonic plates. It's geology, uh, but it but it's an eye opening story by Pete Krause. I was really surprised to see it. It's we I guess what we have is death by a thousand cuts, not the massive blow of a Hurricane Andrew or something like True. that. I think also, though, isn't it true that, uh, you know, other parts of our state experience natural disasters that we don't necessarily get frequently up here in Northeast Ohio? I mean, like, Southern Ohio, see, they seem far more tornadoes, don't yes. they? Mm-hmm. Like they the do. mental illness of everybody voting for <laughs> Donald Trump, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a natural disaster if that's I ever saw true. one. Not caused by climate change, though, <laughs> so it didn't make the list. All right. You're listening to Today in Ohio. We might have to start talking about this every week again. Lisa, how fast are the coronavirus numbers going up in Ohio? Yeah, and they're going up all over the nation as well. New COVID cases increased for the sixth consecutive week in Ohio. There were 4,226 new cases reported in the week that ended yesterday, the 17th. That's compared to only 2,991 last week. So it almost, no, well, about two-thirds. And hospitalizations are also up in Ohio. They went up to 197 for this last week, and that's up from 169. We've also had eight deaths in this week, but that's down from last week. So weekly numbers are trending upward, but nowhere near our peak, which was January 15th. That was 13,895 cases in a week, and then the lowest was 1,228 cases in June 15th. So the rise in cases, at least nationally, is at least partially due to this new Omicron subvariant, It's called EG5 or ARIS, and that's responsible for about 17% of new cases nationwide. Not sure what the percentage here is in Ohio yet, but it's easier to catch apparently than other uh, variants. I felt like I went months without knowing anybody that had the coronavirus. And in the past couple of weeks, I know Uh, several people that have had it. And you start to wonder, do we need to mask up if we're going into indoor spaces? We don't have the immunity to this variant. There's supposed to be a vaccine released in a month or two that'll help. But absent that is, I mean, if this is starting to spread and that that's a rapid increase, you know, is it time to pull out the masks again? God, I hated that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually seen more masks around. I don't know whether it's due to COVID or, or, or anything else, but as you said, there are new COVID vaccines and boosters awaiting FDA approval and they expect to have these available by October 1st. And they're supposed to be effective on the current Omicron variants, uh, the XBB lineage as they call it. Unfortunately, this rise is happening just as parents start sending their kids back to school. The great mixing pot of viruses and things like RSV. So we'll keep talking about it if it's going to run through the population again. It's a frightening prospect. You're listening to Today in Ohio. 
Cleveland Cliffs was blocked so far in its bid to buy U.S. Steel, but it had a victory in another battle that was quite important to the people who run the company. Laura, what was that? This is about dumping tin mill products used to make tin cans and other kinds of steel products. So the U.S. Commerce Department announced Thursday that basically the People's Republic of China, Canada, and Germany are all dumping this excess product into the U.S. market. And that obviously can drive prices down and hurt American companies. So they issued preliminary findings that imports of tin mill products from Korea, the Netherlands, Taiwan, Turkey, and the United Kingdom are not being dumped. So they proposed 122.5% tariff on steel from China to address this illegal company dumping and make sure that U.S. steel companies can compete on a level playing field. So that's a huge tariff. In comparison, they want a 7% tariff on German products and 5.3% on Canadian. This is something that we had uh, bipartisan support for, right? On the Ohio delegation, they felt very strongly this was happening and that our steel interests had to be protected. Yeah, and they put out some some statements saying saying that basically that this is American production. We have to protect our jobs. Uh, the U.S. Uh, st- actually, U.S. Steel didn't say anything, I believe, but the union did, and they came out and applauded this decision. There's still it's still not final, so this will get addressed over the next year. But what happens? And I I mean, I didn't really recognize that this is a problem all the time. But some companies saw all these significant cost increases in their home markets because of global problems. And then they choose it to jump in the United States rather than reduce production. So they could just scale back, but they, they just flood the market with it. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. This is a story about be careful what you wish for. Two East Cleveland police officers pleaded guilty to crimes, then persuaded a judge to vacate their pleas so they could go to court claiming their innocence. Layla, what happened next? Well, DeMarco Johnson and Von Harris definitely had their chance to plead guilty to bribery, and now they've been indicted on charges for racketeering and conspiracy for the same conduct. They could be looking at 19 years in prison, And they're still facing that lower level felony bribery charge. So prosecutors say Johnson and Harris used their positions as East Cleveland police officers to to file false East Cleveland police reports to commit insurance fraud in exchange for cash from an FBI informant. Records say that the officers took bribe money in 2018 from former Arco dump operator George Michael Riley in exchange for filing these false police reports. It said that stolen vehicles from Riley's property had been found destroyed in Akron. Riley had been working as a confidential informant for the FBI at the time, and that arrangement came about after the dump caught on fire, and he admitted to federal authorities that he had been playing, uh, had had not been paying his business taxes and things like that. So as part of this undercover operation, Riley paid several hundred dollars to Harris and Johnson and promised to share some of the proceeds he would get from a future payout when he filed an insurance claim for the vehicles. So that is uh, that's where it is. Johnson's defense attorney who convinced a judge to throw out their guilty pleas so they could take their case to trial says the prosecutors are heaping on these charges out of retaliation because they rejected the plea deals. And the prosecutors deny that. They say that the charges are necessary for a full presentation of the evidence to a jury. I found myself wanting to find this offensive, that the charges, the extra charges were over the top. But then I realized 
they make deals. When you get a plea deal, you plead guilty to lesser charges. But if you reject that deal, then they hit you with the full weight of the charges. So that that's what a plea deal is, You because otherwise you'd go to court, right? If they're going to hit you with the full account of the charges against you, you may as well go to court. But if they offer you a lesser offense in exchange for pleading guilty, then you do. So I guess I, I'm not really <laughs> that bothered by it. Uh, they are bad cops, too, if what they if they did what they're accused of. That's this true. was what East Cleveland police were doing to the citizenry was heinous. I mean, and there was nobody that could stop them, not the attorney general, not the governor. There was no mechanism in Ohio law to rein in an out of control police department that was terrorizing people. So slam them, hit them with Rico. They deserve what they get if they're guilty. You are listening to Today in Ohio. Is this a community nightmare or mere annoyance? A commu- <laughs> Is this a commuting nightmare or mere annoyance? What message does the Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority have for riders of its blue and green rail lines, Lisa? Well, they're going to have to start taking buses starting this Sunday. RTA Green and Blue Lines will be closing until September 30th, starting this Sunday, for track and station repairs. And I've been through this before. You, they actually have a replacement bus called 67R, and they will provide service from Green Road via Van Aken Boulevard and Warrensville Center Road. It'll run every 15 minutes during weekday rush hours and then 30 minutes Otherwise, there will be large orange stop signs that will mark these bus stops where you can get on this bus. There was $3.5 million approved for this project. This is improving customer experience and safety. There's going to be a focus on Shaker Square where they're going to repair platforms. They're going to replace the service building roof, system control boxes, and the overhead wires and supports. It's part of an eight-phase $70 million project to rehab the aging blue and green lines. Two phases have already been completed out of the eight total. This will be number three. I suppose that you have to do this now and then that to repair rail lines. You've got to shut the rail lines down. It's not like you have redundant lines running next to it. And the only real answer then is to bus people. But if I was a regular user of the line, I would find these six weeks to be hugely annoying. I can imagine. And I, like I said, when I first came back to Cleveland, I remember having to ride the 67R bus because there was something wrong at the East 55th station or whatever. But um, yeah, so it's going to be a change. But And they haven't said where the stop signs are going to be, whether every stop along the line will have a, a place you can get on. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, this has got to be done. And it is evidence of the investment RTA is making in the, we've talked about it for years. They've mm-hmm. got to replace all the cars. They got to do things. So it's good to see it. I, I, I guess it's like the orange barrel problem for motorists. This is just the rail version. And I did want to mention, um, I don't know if this is news or not. We do know that the waterfront line will be opening September f- 10th for Browns games only, but apparently uh, full service on the waterfront line is expected next spring or summer. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. The Erie View Tower on Cleveland's east side is a big block of a thing designed by I.M. Pei, he of the Rock Hall fame. What did Cleveland City Council do to help rejuvenate the place, Layla, and what's the tentative plan? Council on Wednesday approved a 10-year, $9.2 million commercial tax abatement for this project, which is a $193 million redevelopment of this 40-story building with over a million square feet on East 12th Street. 
Developer James Kasouf bought this building back in 2018 for $17.7 million, and and the vision has been to transform it into a mixed-use development. It's expected to include 227 rental apartments branded by W Residences, which is a luxury hotel branded managed by W Hotels. It's also going to include 300,000 square feet of office space and more than 500 indoor parking spaces. The early plans also showed a spa, a restaurant, rooftop bar, and a new lobby. And the building is home to the Galleria, which is 210,000 square feet of the place. That area could possibly include fine dining and a new food court and entertainment spaces and a renovated second floor ballroom and indoor sports, which I assume, I assume that means pickleball. that project has just never succeeded and all the time i've been here they tried different things and attempt to to bring life to it and it's always been with very limited success does anybody ever go to the food court there is it still there i haven't been there in about 15 years i think But, (laughs) but when i went there once to meet a source i i remember walking in and feeling like i had come out of a time capsule and was back in the 90s or something. It felt very, very retro, but maybe since then they've refreshed it. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Consumer reporter Sean McDonald puts his back into bringing us ways to save money, or he did for his latest story. What's his advice for people who want to get free mulch and a lot of it? Laura. You have to want a lot of mulch. We're talking about a chip ton of mulch. Get it? No? Are we going to go? Okay. All right. (laughs) You're going to get more than you need. So a tree trimmer brought Sean roughly 25 cubic yards. That's a full truck's worth of wood chips, equivalent to 450 of the bags you would buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. And he worked with someone else for 40 hours over one weekend, and they still didn't deposit it everywhere. He still got a pile in in his driveway. So you have to really want these. But they're free. And that's because these tree trimmers have to dump them somewhere. So if you'll take them, that makes it easier than taking it to the dump. There's no dye. You can't get it in brown, black, or or red. You take what you get. So you can't order a specific amount. And they're not double mulch. So you're getting some pretty big pieces of chips. You could end up with trash in it. You can end up with whole, whole tree limbs. But again, free. The, the the fact that it's not double mulch means it does last longer. It takes longer to decompose. There is a danger, though. There are some trees that are poisonous to other plants, black walnut, for instance, and you don't get to pick what kind of tree you get. So there is a little bit of a risk to this. But the idea that you never know how much you're getting, it's whatever they've got in the truck you get and they bring it on a day. You don't even know what You don't even day. know what it's coming. You, you yeah. just get on a list and they could just drop it off. Can you imagine? You get home and, and your like... driveway's got a mountain on it and you can't pull up into it. Uh, but, but it, you know, like you said, it's free. The dollars that he, you know, when he compared what it would cost to buy that at Home Depot or somewhere compared to this, it is staggering how much you're getting for free. Not crazy about getting the logs, though. I would think that they would at least not do that. It's it's a great story. He just continuously comes up with interesting angles on saving money that I've never seen anywhere else. Had you ever heard of this before? No. He does talk about other ways to get free mulch or wood chips. And I've done that before. I, I went to Shaker once when they had like a spot where they dump their tree trimmings from the city and I got it there and some Metro parks do that. So you can bring your own like 
you know, truck or, or trash can to fill it up at some of these spaces. But I had never heard of this service. I thought that Shaker Heights thing was for Shaker residents only. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't drive from the west side, so I was much closer then, but it, literally <laughs> decades, a decade ago. And I, I don't know what Lindhurst does with their mulch. You know, they come through with, uh, you know, both the leaf truck and, you know, uh, tree trimmings. And they say they convert it into mulch, although we did get a new playground in Lindhurst, and they use the wood chips for that. Oh, and, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, I don't know. I don't know if I... I would want undyed big chunks of mulch. I'm kind of spoiled. I like that triple shredded mulch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like my brown mulch. I like that color. Of course, it doesn't last more than really a couple, you know, not not a year. It doesn't last that long. Well, isn't, the, the, it, isn't it true that the color is not good for your probably. for your plants? Like the yeah, dyed? dyed. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you should use it on vegetable gardens. Mm. Mm. I have a question. Is, is Sean naturally this kind of penny pincher, or or <laughs> or did, is this column turning him into that? No, I've, I think, I've been so I think curious. This fits his personality. Like I do think <laughs> he gets enjoyment out of figuring out how to make everything. I mean, he's the guy who said he had a cable across the bumper of his car because it was good enough. Like we, that's not but, something we told him to do. But to answer the question, Layla, <laughs> it, we didn't ask him to do this column because he, of his proclivities. We we asked him to do this column, and these proclivities arose out of that. So if he was a penny pincher before, we didn't know that when we asked him to do the okay, column. Okay. But man, did we hit the jackpot with the guy we asked <laughs> to do this column. And I feel like it's so Northeast Ohio, right? It's like we are such this kind of people that it's like – one time at Christmas, my husband, when he was new to the family, was like, why do you tell everyone what your their gifts cost? Because it was like, it was three ninety nine. dollars All right. Check out its story. It's a fun story. It's on Cleveland.com. You're listening to Today in Ohio. We got a few minutes left. You all have weekend planes. Supposed to be sunny, although hot on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going camping at Geneva State Park, which uh, we always have a big camping group. This is our fifth year, but the first time I've been to this park. So what I'm looking forward to is, have you noticed how cool the nights have been? I was like, yeah. this yes. is good camping weather. Yeah, you should have good, very good weather for that. Layla, normal weekend, anything fun? Going back to Cedar Point one last time with your goal pass? <laughs> you know, I, I know we're going to hit Cedar Point again before the end of the season because Halloweekends are coming up. So that's on the radar. But this weekend, I think we're just going to decompress because kids went back to school this week. And for some reason, that always ramps up the tension in our household. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, what about you? Oh, nothing special. Although Scooter's Hot Dogs, which is there in, I guess that's Mentor, where Scooter's Hot Dogs is, they're seasonal and they're closing soon. So I want to go there one last time and get a great hot dog and, and a, a, a cream and ice, which I've discovered. It's half slushy, half soft serve ice cream, and uh, it's the most awesome thing ever. My kids just tried that in Toronto last week and they call it an iceberg and I'd never heard of it. And I, I found, right. yeah, go ahead. All right, everybody. I hope you do enjoy the weekend. I hope people who listen enjoy the weekend. That's it for the Friday episode of Today in Ohio. Come back Monday. We'll be talking about the news.